I just want to thank Pastor Hiram uh, for the opportunity to be here today and to share his word. And God willing, I'm going to try to fill his big shoes. But there's two things I'm definitely not going to do. Not because I'm unwilling, because I'm unable. I can't play guitar. And I can't sing nearly as well as he can. So if you have your Bibles, if you could open them to Isaiah chapter 53. I'm just going to be reading the first six verses. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. May God add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. I titled this A Walk in the Garden. I was initially going to call it A Walk Among the Trees or A Walk Through the Woods, but I, I switched it to A Walk in the Garden because I want to talk about the garden, the original garden. But before I get there, I just want to say, um, some of you may know, some of you may not know, I'm originally from central Pennsylvania, a very rural area. From here, probably a good six and a half or seven hours. So deeper in the state, kind of right right in the middle of the state, a little bit past middle of the state, actually. So again, a very rural area. Um, and growing up there, I was just surrounded by trees. There were woods everywhere. And I spent a lot of time in the woods, me and my brothers, because I was fishing, I was hunting, we were riding our bikes, we were camping, we were picking wild berries so my mom could make a pie. Just, I was out in the woods all the time. And I love being out in the woods. I love being out walking through the trees. I love the variety of trees. I love the sound of the wind and their leaves. I especially love their colors in the fall. Historically, we've used trees for shade, food, fuel for fires, and raw material for building ships, homes, and furniture. Did you know that other than God or people, Trees are the most mentioned living thing in the Bible. There are trees in the first chapter of Genesis, trees in the first Psalm, and on the last page of Revelation. And the Bible even refers to wisdom as a tree. Proverbs 3.18 says, She is a tree of life for those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. And Jeremiah urges all believers to be like a tree. Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree 
planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. And the only physical description we see of Jesus in the Bible is also connected to the idea of a tree, and it was in our reading today. It says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So we don't know what Jesus looked like. You know, we've seen paintings and pictures, and maybe you have a picture in your mind of what Jesus looked like, but the truth is we don't know. We just don't know. And I said, I think trees are beautiful. And I think God thinks very highly of them too. In the first three chapters of Genesis, nearly a third of all the sentences contain a tree. And think about this. Trees are the only living thing to which God gives a ring on each birthday. In Genesis 2, God made two things with his own hands. He formed Adam, and he blew the breath of life into his nostrils. It says that he also planted a garden. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. That's Genesis 2, 8 and 9. And it's there under the trees that God lovingly places Adam giving him the job of taking care of them. You know, something. scripture actually portrays trees as things that communicate. In Isaiah 55, 12, it says they clap their hands. In 1 Chronicles 16, it says they shout for joy. So that's interesting. It, it portrays trees as things that communicate, whereas other creatures that do communicate, like birds or that sort of thing, we really hear not much about them in the Bible. So even though there's a lot about trees in the Bible, we don't hear a lot about it. And that's why I want to talk about them today. God called all things good in creation. As Paul said to the Romans, you're without excuse for believing in God if you've been through on a walk through the woods. Through nature, we're confronted with the unmistakable evidence of God's power and glory. Romans 1, 19 and 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. You see, in other words, the creation points to the creator. No one looks at a painting and thinks that it happened by itself. No one can say no one ever told me about God, because God is all around us. When you look at the diversity, the complexity, the beauty, the interconnectedness of nature, how can you think that that just happened? You know, it'd be like taking some boards and nails and a hammer and throwing them up in the air and a house would come down. Martin Luther put it this way, our Lord has written the promise of the resurrection, not in books alone, but in every leaf of springtime. Isn't it amazing? It's like, I'm just, I'm still waiting for it to happen. So the trees are still kind of, they still look like they're dead right now. But pretty soon you're going to see a bud and an overnight poof. All these leaves are going to come out. It's amazing. It just, to me, it, to me, it's amazing. God put trees in the Bible for a reason. 
there were two trees in the center of the Garden of Eden. One, we call the tree of life, represented mankind's connection to the divine, to the eternal. The other, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, represented human free will, our capacity to choose and the potential for rebellion that comes with that. When Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree, they tried to cover their crime by addressing the very tree they were charged with taking care of. What did they try to cover themselves with? Leaves. And their next move was to run and hide behind them. Chapter 3 of Genesis concludes with Adam and Eve being banished from the garden. But even then, God had a plan. What do we see in the Bible? An account of God meeting humanity's need for a savior and to reunite us with the tree of life. Isaiah predicted in the reading we had that people would fail to notice this tender shoot. They would fail to notice one who was right in their midst. This prediction was fulfilled in the first chapter of John's gospel. John 1, 43 through 51. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael said. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. See, Jesus had seen Nathanael under a fig tree and the mere mention of that told Nathanael beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus was indeed the Messiah. See, God had a rescue plan involving trees since the fall since the Garden of Eden. Whether people recognized it or not, God's plan was in motion. You know, Jesus, he was a pretty tough customer. From the moment he was born, his enemies had set about trying to kill him. They tried to kill him when he was a baby. They tried to stone him. They tried to throw him off a cliff, but none of it worked. Jesus went 40 days without food. Then he climbed into a boxing ring with the toughest opponent on the planet, and he walked away a winner after three rounds. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, Man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Here's the devil quoting scripture, trying to quote scripture against Jesus. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. The only thing that could really hurt Jesus was a tree. Why? Because the Bible says, he who is hanged on a tree is cursed. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. That's a reference to Deuteronomy 21.23. It said that anyone, if you saw someone hanging on a tree, that means they were cursed by God. But Jesus redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. He took our sins upon himself and paid the price because we could not. See, without Jesus, I'm sorry, without trees, there's no resurrection, no good news on Easter morning. The cross is really a tree of life that was cut down by our sin. Yet Jesus' blood caused a dead tree used as a Roman torture instrument to grow into the symbol of life everlasting, the tree of life. Jesus is the tree of life. And one day his followers will eat from the leaves of this tree and be healed. Listen to this from Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down into the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of nations. It's like the tree's so big, it's like straddling the river. The tree is on both sides of the river. And the leaves are for the healing of the nations. You know, doors throughout time are remarkably similar. They haven't changed a lot, right? They hang on a hinge and they close on a door jam. And a door is topped by, by a header, or as the Bible puts it, it has two side posts and it's topped by a lintel. When the Passover lamb's blood was applied to these three boards at the time of the Exodus, the door locked and the angel of death could not enter. At a Passover celebration over 2,000 years ago, Jesus made a new and very unique kind of door. It's a narrow door. And unlike all other doors that require three boards, this one only requires two, a vertical piece and a horizontal one. When Jesus' blood is applied to these two cross pieces of wood, the doorway to heaven opens. There's no other way to unlock it. 
See, I think the Bible has a forest full of trees because trees teach us about the nature of God. God is constantly giving. Trees have been giving life long before humans even had a clue that oxygen existed. And, and that's another thing. That just happened by accident too, right? We take in oxygen and give off carbon dioxide, and trees take in carbon dioxide and give off oxygen. That just happened by accident. That's what they want you to think. Trees give life, beauty, food, and shade. No wonder God uses trees to instruct us about life, death, and resurrection. You might think Jesus might have uh, had a grudge against trees after he was crucified, but that doesn't seem to be the case. On Easter morning, when Mary went down to put flowers on the tomb, her eyes were raw from crying. She looked up and saw Jesus and mistook him for the gardener. John 20, 11 through 15. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is your you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. See, I don't think this was an accident. Jesus is the new Adam. Back on the job where the old Adam failed, dressing and keeping the garden. He invites us in the Bible's last chapter to wash our robes so that we can meet him at the tree of life. I want to conclude with a little story. Maybe you've heard it before, maybe not. It's called The Three Trees. Long ago in the forest, there lived three trees, the biggest among all the trees in the forest. One fine day, the three were having a chat, talking about their dream of the future. The first tree said, I want to grow taller and stronger. I want a man to chop me down and make a beautiful bed out of my trunk so that a great king can sleep on me. The second tree said, I also want to grow taller and stronger because I want a man to chop me down and make a big yacht out of my trunk so a king can sail on me and go around the world. The third tree said, not me. I don't want anyone to chop me down. I want to be the tallest and biggest tree in the forest so everyone can come to me and look at me admiring my tall trunk. So then the trees agreed to pray each and every day so God would make their dreams come true. One day, a man came and chopped down the first tree. The first tree was excited. He thought his dream had finally come true. But when the man found the quality of the tree trunk was not very good, he didn't make him into a bed. He turned the tree trunk into a feeding trough instead for cattle to eat grass and hay. The first tree was very disappointed to see what had become of him. His dream was shattered. Another day, a man came and chopped down the second tree. The second tree was very excited. 
He thought his dream had finally come true. But when the man found the quality of the tree trunk was not very good, he didn't make him into a yacht. Instead, he turned the tree trunk into a fisherman's boat, simply for fishing, and his body was always dirty after going sailing for fish. The second tree was also very disappointed to see what had become of him, and his dream was shattered as well. Another day, a man came and chopped down the third tree. The third tree was very disappointed and got terribly sad. He was so sad that his trunk began to rot. The man couldn't make anything from the tree and just disposed of the trunk, and it became useless. Was life fair to those trees? They worked hard. They prayed hard. But in the end, this is what they got. But that's not the end. The story isn't finished yet. Years went by, and in the middle of the night, a husband and wife went to a stable where the first tree now lived. The wife was pregnant, and they weren't able to find any room to stay and deliver the baby. So the wife gave birth to her baby in the dirty stable and put her baby inside the manger, who was the first tree. We all know who that baby is. Years after that, a storm came on the sea and hit a sailing boat, and all the people that were in the sailing boat, which was the second tree, were scared and full of panic. The storm was so heavy that it nearly broke the boat in two and sunk everybody inside. But then a young man came out and stood on the boat. He waved his hands to the sea in front of him, and he cried out, in the name of my father, I command you to stop. And soon after that, the storm stopped, and the sea was calmed. The second tree was amazed. Who was this person? Even the sea and the storm obeyed his command. We all know who that man was. More time went by and came to pass that an innocent man was sentenced to death by trial. He was tortured and beaten. And in the end, he had to die, crucified on a cross. And guess what? The wood to make the cross came from the trunk of the third tree. And again, we all know who that man was. So here's the conclusion of the story. The first tree even though he didn't end up as a beautiful bed that he had wished for, a great king, the king of kings, still slept in him. The second tree, even though he didn't end up as a big yacht that he had wished for, again, the king of kings stood on him and sailed across the sea. The third tree, even though in the end he was chopped down, stood tall for those who are in need and also held the same king. And even until this very day, people look to him and pray when they need help. You know, we all need forgiveness, and we all need the hope that only God can give. So as we continue through this season of Lent, let's continue to reflect on and really, truly appreciate the lengths God went to in order to bring us back to the tree of life. Amen? Amen? My closing prayer, this is actually from 1 Chronicles 16. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant 
and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing. Let them sing with joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out, save us, God our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. Amen. And at this time, the worship team is going to come back up, and we are going to have our closing song. <laughs>